Chapter Seventeen of *The House of the Arrow* by A. E. W. Mason. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen at Jean Claudel's. At nine o'clock that night, Jim Frobisher walked past the cashier's desk and into the hall of the Grand Taverne. High above his head, a cinematograph machine whirred and clicked, and a blade of silver light cut the darkness at the opposite end of the hall the square screen was flooded with radiance and the pictures melted upon it one into the other for a little while jim could see nothing but the screen then the hall swam gradually within his vision he saw the heads of people like great bullets and a wider central corridor where waitresses with white aprons moved jim walked up the corridor and turned off to the left between the tables when he reached the wall he went forward again towards the top of the hall on his left the hall fell back and in the recess were two large cubicles in which billiard tables were placed against the wall of the first of these a young man was leaning with his eyes fixed upon the screen jim fancied that he recognized morris thevenet and nodded to him as he passed a little farther on a big man with a soft felt hat was seated alone with a bock in front of him hanno jim slipped into a seat at his side you hanno exclaimed in surprise why not you told me this is where you would be at this hour replied jim and some note of discouragement in his voice attracted hanno's attention i didn't think that those two young ladies would let you go he said on the contrary jim replied with a short laugh they didn't want me at all he began to say something more but thought better of it and called to a waitress two box if you please he ordered and he offered hanaud a cigar when the box were brought hanaud said to him it will be well to pay at once so that we can slip away when we want we have something to do to-night jim asked he said no more until jim had paid and the waitress had turned the two little saucers on which she had brought the box upside down and had gone away then he leaned towards jim and lowered his voice i am glad that you are here for i have a hope that we shall get the truth to-night and you ought to be present when we do get it jim lit his own cigar from whom do you hope to get it jean claudel hanaud answered in a whisper a little later when all the town is quiet we will pay a visit to the street of gambetta you think he'll talk hanaud nodded there is no charge against claudel in this affair to make a solution of that poison paste is not an offence and he has so much against him that he will want to be on our side if he can yes he will talk i have no doubt there would be an end of the affair then to-night jim frobisher was glad with an unutterable gladness betty would be free to order her life as she liked and where she liked to give to her youth its due scope and range to forget the terror and horror of these last weeks as one forgets old things behind locked doors i hope however he said earnestly to hanaud and i believe that you will be found wrong that if there was a murder anne upcott had nothing to do with it yes i believe that he repeated his assertion as much to convince himself as to persuade hanaud hanaud touched his elbow don't raise your voice so much my friend he said i think there is someone against the wall who is honouring us with his attention jim shook his head it is only maurice thevenet he said oh 
answered hanaud in a voice of relief is that all for a moment i was anxious it seemed that there was a sentinel standing guard over us he added in a whisper i too hope from the bottom of my heart that i may be proved wrong but what of that arrowhead in the pen tray eh don't forget that and then he fell into a muse what happened on that night in the maison grenelle he said why was that communicating door thrown open who was to be stripped to the skin by that violent woman who whispered that will do now is anne upcott speaking the truth and was there some terrible scene taking place before she entered so unexpectedly the treasure-room some terrible scene which ended in that dreadful whisper or is anne upcott lying from beginning to end ah my friend you wrote some questions down upon your memorandum this afternoon but these are the questions i want answered and where shall i find the answers jim had never seen hanaud so moved his hands were clenched and the veins prominent upon his forehead and though he whispered his voice shook jean claudel may help said jim yes yes he may tell us something they ran through an episode of the film and saw the lights go up and out again and then hanaud looked eagerly at his watch and put it back again into his pocket with a gesture of annoyance it is still too early jim asked yes claudel has no servant and takes his meals abroad he has not yet returned home a little before ten o'clock a man strolled in and seating himself at a table behind hanaud twice scraped a match upon a match-box without getting a light hanaud without moving said quietly to frobisher he is home now in a minute i shall go give me five minutes and follow jim nodded where shall we meet walk straight along the rue de la liberté and i will see to that said hanaud he pulled his packet of cigarettes from his pocket put one between his lips and took his time in lighting it then he got up but to his annoyance maurice stevenet recognized him and came forward well monsieur frobisher wished me good evening and joined you i thought it was you monsieur hanaud but i had not the presumption to claw myself to your notice presumption monsieur we are of the same service only you have the advantage of you said hanaud politely as he turned but you are going monsieur hanaud Thévenet asked in distress i am desolated i have broken into a conversation like a clumsy fellow not at all hanaud replied to frobisher his patience was as remarkable as maurice Thévenet's impudence we were idly watching a film which i think is a little tedious then since you are not busy i beg for your indulgence one little moment that is all i should so dearly love to be able to say to my friends i sat in the cinema with monsieur hanaud yes actually and asked for his advice hanaud sat down again upon his chair and upon what subject can you of whom monsieur Girardot speaks so highly want my advice hanaud asked with a laugh the eternal ambition of the provincial was tormenting the eager youth to get to paris all was in that fortune reputation a life of colour a word from monsieur hanaud and a way would open he would work night and day to justify that word oh monsieur all i can promise is that when the time comes i shall remember you but that promise i make now with my whole heart said hanaud warmly and with a bow he moved away maurice Thévenet watched him go 
what a man maurice thevenet went on enthusiastically i would not like to try to keep any secrets from him no indeed jim had heard that sentiment before on other lips and with a greater sympathy i did not understand at all what he had in mind when he staged that little scene with francine royard but something monsieur oh you may be sure something wise and that search through the treasure-room out quick and complete no doubt while we watched mademoiselle upcott's bedroom he was just as quick and complete in going through her sitting-room but he found nothing no nothing he waited for jim to corroborate him but jim only said oh but thevenet was not to be extinguished i shall tell you what struck me monsieur he was following out no suspicions isn't that so he was detached he was gathering up every trifle on the chance that each one might some time fit in with another and at last a whole picture be composed an artist there was a letter for instance which mademoiselle harlow handed to him one of those deplorable letters which have disgraced us here you remember that letter monsieur ah said frobisher quite in the style of hanaud but i see that this film is coming to its wedding bells so i shall wish you a good evening frobisher bowed and left maurice thevenet to dream of success in paris he strolled between the group of spectators to the entrance and thence into the street he walked to the arch of the port guillaume and turned into the rue de la liberté the provincial towns go to bed early and the street so busy throughout the day was like the street of a deserted city a couple of hundred yards on he was startled to find hanaud sprung from nowhere walking at his side so my young friend the secretary engaged you when i had gone he said maurice thevenet said jim may be as the commissaire says a young man of a surprising intelligence but to tell you the truth i find him a very intrusive fellow first of all he wanted to know if you had discovered anything in an upcott sitting-room and then what miss harlow's anonymous letter was about hanaud looked at jim with interest yes he was anxious to learn that young man giraudeau is right he will go far and how did you answer him i said oh first and then i said ah, ah, ah just like a troublesome friend of mine when i asked him a simple question which he does not mean to answer hanaud laughed heartily and you did very well he said come let us turn into this little street upon the right it will take us to our destination wait whispered jim eagerly don't cross the road for a moment listen hanaud obeyed at once and both men stood and listened in the empty street not a sound said hanaud no that is what troubles me jim whispered importantly a minute ago there were footsteps behind us now that we have stopped they have stopped too let us go on quite straight for a moment or two but certainly my friend said hanaud and let us not talk either jim urged not a single word said hanaud they moved forward again and behind them once more footsteps rang upon the pavement what did i tell you asked jim taking hanaud by the arm that we would neither of us speak hanaud replied and lo you have spoken but why why have i spoken be serious monsieur jim shook his arm indignantly we are being followed hanaud stopped dead and gazed in steady admiration at his junior colleague oh he whispered you've discovered that 
yes it is true we are being followed by one of my men who sees to it that we are not followed frobisher shook hanaud's arm off indignantly he drew himself up stiffly then he saw hanaud's mouth twitching and he understood that he was looking proper oh let us go and find jean claudel he said with a laugh and he crossed the road they passed into a network of small mean streets and there was not a soul around the houses were shrouded in darkness the only sounds they heard were the clatter of their own footsteps on the pavement and the fainter noise of the man who followed them hanaud turned to the left into a short passage and stopped before a little house with a shuttered shop front this is the place he said in a low voice and he pressed the button in the pillar of the door the bell rang with a shrill sharp whirr just the other side of the panels we may have to wait a moment if he's gone to bed said hanaud since he has no servant in the house a minute or two passed the clock struck the half hour hanaud leaned his ear against the panels of the door he could not hear one sound within the house he rang again and after a few seconds shutters were thrown back and a window opened on the floor above from behind the window someone whispered who is there the police hanaud answered and at the window above there was silence no one is going to do you any harm hanaud continued raising his voice impatiently we want some information from you that's all very well the whisper came from the same spot the man standing within the darkness of the room had not moved wait i will slip on some things and come down the window and the shutter were closed again then through the chinks a few beams of light strayed out hanaud uttered a little grunt of satisfaction that animal is getting up at last he must have some strange clients amongst the good people of dijon if he is so careful to answer them in a whisper he turned about and took a step or two along the pavement and another step or two back like a man upon a quarter-deck jim frobisher had never known him so restless and impatient during these two days i can't help it he said in a low voice to jim i think that in five minutes we shall touch the truth of this affair we shall know who brought the arrow to him from the maison grenelle if any one brought the arrow to him at all jim frobisher added but hanaud was not in the mood to consider ifs and possibilities oh that he said with a shrug of the shoulders then he tapped his forehead i am like waberski i have it here that someone did bring the arrow to jean claudel he started once more his quarter-deck pacing only it was now a trot rather than a walk jim was a little nettled by the indifference to his suggestion he was still convinced that hanaud had taken the wrong starting point in all his inquiry he said tartly well if someone did bring the arrow here it will be the same person who replaced the treatise on stephanathus on its bookshelf hanaud came to a stop in front of jim frobisher then he burst into a low laugh i will bet you all the money in the world that that is not true and then madame harlow's pearl necklace on the top of it for after all it was not i who brought the arrow to jean claudel whereas it was undoubtedly i who put back the treatise on the shelf jim took a step back he stared at hanaud with his mouth open in a stupefaction you he exclaimed i replied hanaud standing up on the tips of his toes alone i did it then his manner of burlesque dropped from him 
he looked up at the shuttered windows with a sudden anxiety that animal is taking longer than he need he muttered after all it is not to a court ball of the duke of burgundy that we are inviting him he rang the bell again with a greater urgency it returned its shrill reply as though it mocked him i do not like this said hanaud he seized the door handle and leaned his shoulder against the panel and drove his weight against it but the door was strong and did not give hanaud put his fingers to his mouth and whistled softly from the direction whence they had come they heard the sound of a man running swiftly they saw him pass within the light of the one street lamp at the corner and out of it again and then he stood at their side jim recognized nicholas moreau the little agent who had been sent this very morning by hanaud to make sure that jean Cladel existed nicholas i want you to remain here said hanaud if the door is opened whistle for us and keep it open very well sir hanaud said in a low and troubled voice to frobisher there is something here which alarms me he dived into a narrow alley at the side of the shop it was in this alley no doubt that waberski meant us to believe that he hid on the morning of the seventh of may jim whispered as he hurried to keep up with his companion no doubt the alley led them into a lane which ran parallel with the street of gambetta hanaud wheeled into it a wall five feet high broken at intervals by rickety wooden doors enclosed the yards at the backs of the houses before the first of these breaks in the wall hanaud stopped he raised himself upon the tips of his toes and peered over the wall first downwards into the yard and then upwards towards the back of the house there was no lamp in the lane no light showing from any of the windows though the night was clear of mist it was as dark as a cavern in this narrow lane behind the houses jim frobisher though his eyes were accustomed to the gloom knew that he could not have seen a man even if he had moved ten yards away yet hanaud still stood peering at the back of the house with the tips of his fingers on the top of the wall finally he touched jim on the sleeve i believe the back window on the first floor is open he whispered and his voice was more troubled than ever we will go in and see he touched the wooden door and it swung inwards with a whine of its hinges open said hanaud make no noise silently they crossed the yard the ground floor of the house was low jim looking upwards could see now that the window above their heads yawned wide open you are right he breathed in hanaud's ear and with a touch hanaud asked for silence the room beyond the window was black as pitch the two men stood below and listened not a word came from it hanaud drew jem into the wall of the house at the end of the wall a door gave admission into the house hanaud tried the door turned the handle first and then gently pressing with his shoulder upon the panel it's locked but not bolted like the door in front he whispered i can manage this jim frobisher heard the tiniest possible rattle of a bunch of keys as hanaud drew it from his pocket and then not a noise of any kind whilst hanaud stooped above the lock yet within half a minute the door slowly opened it opened upon a passage as black as that room above their heads hanaud stepped noiselessly into the passage jim frobisher followed him with a heart beating high in excitement what had happened in that lighted room upstairs and in the dark room behind it why didn't jean Claudel come down and open the door upon the street of gambetta why didn't they hear nicholas moreau's soft whistle 
or the sound of his voice hanaud stepped back past frobisher and shut the door behind them and locked it again you haven't an electric torch with you of course hanaud whispered no replied jim nor i and i don't want to strike a match there's something upstairs which frightens me you could hardly hear the words they were spoken as though the mere vibration of the air they caused would carry a message to the rooms above we'll move very carefully keep a hand upon my coat and hanaud went forward after he had gone a few paces he stopped there's a staircase here on my right it turns at once mind not to knock your foot on the first step he whispered over his shoulder and a moment later he reached down and taking hold of jim's right arm laid his hand upon a balustrade jim lifted his foot felt for and found the first tread of the stairs and mounted behind hanaud they halted on a little landing just above the door by which they had entered the house in front of them the darkness began to thin to become opaque rather than a black impenetrable hood drawn over their heads jim understood that in front of him was an open door and that the faint glimmer came from that open window on their left beyond the door hanaud passed through the doorway into the room jim followed and was already upon the threshold when hanaud stumbled and uttered a cry no doubt the cry was low but coming so abruptly upon their long silence it startled frobisher like the explosion of a pistol it seemed that it must clash through dijon like the striking of a clock but nothing followed no one stirred no one cried out a question silence descended upon the house again impenetrable like the darkness a hood upon the senses jim was tempted to call out aloud himself anything however childish so that he might hear a voice speaking words if only his own voice the words came at last from hanaud and from the inner end of the room but in an accent which jim did not recognize don't move there is something i told you i was frightened oh and his voice died away in a sigh jim could hear him moving very cautiously then he almost screamed aloud for the shutters at the window slowly swung to and the room was once more shrouded in black who's that jim whispered violently and no answered it's only me hanaud i don't want to show a light here yet with that window open god knows what dreadful thing has happened here come just inside the room and shut the door behind you jim obeyed and having moved his position could see a line of yellow light straight and fine as if drawn by a pencil at the other end of the room on the floor there was a door there a door into the front room where they had seen the light go up from the street of gambetta jim frobisher had hardly realized that before the door was burst open with a crash in the doorway outlined against the light beyond appeared the bulky frame of hanaud there is nothing here he said standing there blocking up the doorway with his hands in his pockets the room is quite empty that room the front room yes but between hanaud's legs the light trickled out into the dark room beyond and here on the floor illuminated by a little lane of light jim with a shiver saw a clenched hand and a forearm in a crumpled shirt-sleeve turn around he cried to hanaud look hanaud turned yes he said quietly that is what i stumbled against he found a switch in the wall close to the door and snapped it down 
the dark room was flooded with light and on the floor in the midst of a scene of disorder a table pushed back here a chair overturned there lay the body of a man he wore no coat he was in his waistcoat and his shirt sleeves and he was crumpled up with a horrible suggestion of agony like a ball his knees towards his chin and his head forward towards his knees one arm clutched the body close the other the one which jim had seen was flung out his hand clenched in a spasm of intolerable pain and about the body there was such a pool of blood as jim frobisher thought no body could contain jim staggered back with his hands clasped over his eyes he felt physically sick then he killed himself on our approach he cried with a groan who answered hanaud steadily jean Pradel, the man who whispered to us from behind the window hanaud stunned him with a question what with jim drew his hand slowly from before his face and forced his eyes to their service there was no gleam of a knife or a pistol anywhere against the dark background of the carpet you might think that he was a japanese who had committed harakiri said hanaud but if he had the knife would be at his side and there is no knife he stooped over the body and felt it and drew his hand back it is still warm he said and then a gasp look he pointed the man was lying on his side in this dreadful pose of contracted sinews and unendurable pain and across the sleeve of his shirt there was a broad red mark that's where the knife was wiped clean said hanaud jim bent forward by god it's true he cried and a little afterwards in a voice of awe then it's murder hanaud nodded not a doubt jim frobisher stood up he pointed a shaking finger at the grotesque image of pain crumpled upon the floor death without dignity an argument that there was something horribly wrong with the making of the human race since such things could be jean claudel he asked we must make sure answered hanaud he went down the stairs to the front door and unbolting it called moreau within the house from the top of the stairs jim heard him ask do you know jean claudel by sight yes answered moreau then follow me hanaud led him up into the back room for a moment moreau stopped upon the threshold with a blank look upon his face is that the man hanaud asked moreau stepped forward yes he has been murdered hanaud explained will you fetch the commissaire of the district and a doctor we will wait here moreau turned on his heel and went downstairs hanaud dropped into a chair and stared moodily at the dead body jean claudel he said in a voice of discouragement just when he could have been of a little use in the world just when he could have helped us to the truth it's my fault too i oughtn't to have waited until tonight i ought to have foreseen that this might happen who can have murdered him jim frobisher exclaimed hanaud roused himself out of his remorse the man who whispered to us from behind the window answered hanaud jim frobisher felt his mind reeling that's impossible he cried why hanaud asked it must have been he think it out and step by step he told the story as he read it testing it by speaking it aloud at five minutes past ten a man of mine still a little out of breath from his haste comes to us in the grand taverna and tells us that jean claudel has just reached home 
he reached home then at five minutes to ten yes jim agreed we were detained for a few minutes by morris thevenet yes he moistened his lips with the tip of his tongue and said softly we shall have to consider that very modest and promising young gentleman rather carefully he detained us we heard the clock strike half-past ten as we waited in the street yes and all was over then for the house was as silent as what indeed it is a grave and only just over for the body is still warm if this lying here is jean Cradell, someone else must have been waiting for him to come home tonight waiting in the lane behind since my man didn't see him and an acquaintance a friend for jean Cradell lets him in and locks the door behind him jim interrupted he might have been here already waiting for him with his knife bared in this dark room hanaud looked round the room it was furnished cheaply and stuffily half office half living room an open bureau stood against the wall near the window a closed cabinet occupied the greater part of one side i wonder he said it is possible no doubt but if so why did the murderer stay so long no search has been made no drawers are ransacked he tried the door of the cabinet this is still locked no i don't think that he was waiting i think that he was admitted as a friend or a client i fancy jean Cladel had not a few clients who preferred to call upon him by the back way in the dark of the night i think that his visitor came meaning to kill and waited his time and killed and that he had hardly killed before we rang the bell at the door hanaud drew in his breath sharply imagine that my friend he is standing here over the man he has murdered and unexpectedly the shrill clear sound of the bell goes through the house as though god said i saw you imagine it he turned out the light and stands holding his breath in the dark the bell rings again he must answer it or worse may befall he goes into the front room and throws open the window and hears it is the police who are at the door hanaud nodded his head in a reluctant admiration but that man had an iron nerve he doesn't lose his head he closes the shutter he turns on the light that we may think he's getting up he runs back into this room he will not waste time by stumbling down the stairs and fumbling with the lock of the back door no he opens these shutters and drops to the ground it is done in a second another second and he is in the lane another and he is safe his dreadful mission ended claudel will not speak claudel will not tell us the things we want to know hanaud went over to the cabinet and using his skeleton keys again opened its doors on the shelves were arranged a glass jar or two a retort the simplest utensils of a laboratory and a few bottles one of which larger than the rest was half filled with a colourless liquid alcohol said hanaud pointing to the label jim frobisher moved carefully round on the outskirts of the room taking care not to alter the disarrangement of the furniture he looked the bottles over not one of them held a drop of that pale lemon-coloured solution which the professor in his treatise had described hanaud shut and locked the doors of the cabinet again and stepped carefully over to the bureau it stood open and a few papers were strewn upon the flap he sat down at the bureau and began carefully to search it 
jim sat down in a chair somehow it had leaked out that since this morning hanaud knew of jean cladel jean cladel therefore must be stopped from any revelations and he had been stopped frobisher could no longer doubt that murder had been done on the night of april the twenty seventh in the maison grenelle development followed too logically upon development the case was building up another story had been added to the edifice with this new crime yes certainly and solidly it was building itself up this case against someone End of chapter 17